0: Hello and
1: welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by Andrew Witchy, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown, the place I still love, and actually seem to love a lot more now that I don't live there than when I did live there, but... (laughs) I think actually this year marks the year that I have lived in Maryland longer than I lived in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Yeah. That's,
0: so, that's always a cool mile. So it's
1: like, I wonder like what, so like, where am I from then at that point? Am I no longer like, can I no longer call Pittsburgh home or like,
0: no, you can if you're from, you grew up here. You're-
1: yeah. And you can I call
0: whatever you want. Whatever you want, home. Your yins are at hearse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean i still say yins. I have an affinity for pierogies made in a Catholic church. Like Absolutely. Um so Andrew is the founder, um, owner operator of Dancing Gnome. Um a lot of people even though you're not distributed in Maryland, um, you still are very popular down here a lot of people either are trading for you or driving up to pittsburgh and coming back with it because the um drinking groups always have photos of people drinking dancing gnome beer so
0: yeah nice i don't know how far away you guys are from like uh
1: i was waiting for how far away from where
0: i think my i think I think my internet's all all goofy up in here man i apologize um <clears throat> i was gonna say uh from chambersburg i think um there's a there's a there's a place called the beer corner and okay. a place called the beer Shed up in pa that get some of our stuff every once in a while okay I said that that's pretty close to maryland
1: yeah that's not um for me i think chambersburg is at maybe a half hour I don't know. I'm really horrible with directions an hour at the absolute most. So actually that's good to know. I may have to start checking them out. That's a lot easier of a trip than driving up to Pittsburgh for sure. (laughs) Um, So as we pointed out, when I emailed you, it has been way longer than I thought it was from when I interviewed you last. Uh,
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I remember sitting here in the tap room. I can't believe that that was, you know, pushing well
1: it's over three years ago right yeah yeah so it's um thank you for coming on again and as i was saying before we recorded we may as well just act like um you've never been on before because there's so many listeners more listeners than back then and uh it was so long ago i probably forget the answers to half the questions (laughs) yeah no problem um so the first one um and i I do kind of remember the answer to this one where did the name dancing gnome come from
0: um I, not a great story um but uh you know it's kind of multifaceted i mean one is it uh it kind of uh, the it was a name that kind of i just kept going with you know and i was trying to figure out what i wanted to call this project and where we were going to go it was one that kind of kept making it from one list to the next and um part of that was it, it also kind of matched the the ethos of what what i was trying to do with dancing gnome and um in the sense that uh Though I hate the term or the phrase, like, work hard, play hard, that's very much how I live, um, in the sense of, like, um, I'm going to work really hard and take it seriously, but when I'm not working, I, I also... I'm going to take not working very seriously. So, um, and gnomes always kind of represented that for me as far as, you know, being this kind of little asshole creature that tends to the gardens, but gets in a lot of mischief. Um, and, uh, the final aspect was, um, I really love, uh, traditional beers and English beers and like the pub scene in the UK, um, and dancing gnome kind of always seemed like a a strange, um, version of a, of a UK pub. Um, so we, we haven't gotten there yet, um, but eventually we're going to um, have a spot that's, that's more, more pub feeling and more pub focused than what we are right now.
1: I, completely unrelated, but since you brought up British pubs, I saw a news article yesterday that there's a um, pub in the UK that, I can't remember what city, um, that has been open for 450 years and it's shutting down now because they weren't able to survive through COVID. <laughs> like survived world wars and everything. And now they're like, they're, it feels like there's more to the story than like the yeah. short snippet they gave. Cause like how, how you survive 450 years and then all of a sudden can't, it seems a little bit weird, but yeah that, I
0: feel like at that point you just, uh, somebody has to, to forgive any debt that you yeah. have to keep that open.
1: But yeah. And, and, I, I don't want to do the math cause I'm not that good at it. Uh, but it was like they had been, they opened originally 450 years ago and they've been in the current location for 300 years.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So it, like it, it's just insane. And, and
0: yeah, now they're crazy. closing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but one, uh, one of my favorite social media posts I've ever seen you guys make was like a a picture or a screenshot of an email asking for um dancing lessons and you just had uh, like the yeah. had the caption like every damn week
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we uh we do um we actually that's that's stopped um much less than it used to be every once in a while we still get a catalog um, like a, like a d- kid's dance catalog. Um, <laughs> but, but for the, it really was all the time. I mean, we were, we were getting, um, I still get emails to like inviting me to, to dance competitions and like, you should just um, show up to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Is this the spot? Um, but yeah, I, I guess somehow we got put on a list of of something just because of the name and so we ended up getting a bunch of correspondences in regards to, to dancing and strangely um there is a dance studio right next door to us that um uh, that's even uh, has, doesn't even have dance in its name but um <laughs> so uh yeah we've had a handful of, of people bring their kids um into the tap room thinking that it was a, a dance studio as well I was like oh no that's right right next to, right next door in the alley but um yeah it's it was definitely weird I wish um
1: I wish the dance studio we took my daughter to was right next to a brewery. I have to drive <laughs> like, that, yeah. <laughs> I have to drive like a mile down the road, so it's not quite as convenient.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the the next question I always ask everyone is what um what were you doing before starting Dancing Gnome?
0: I was a um fashion and retail photographer. So I worked um right before Dancing Gnome, I was um at a company called ModCloth, um, which was, um, it's much different now, and I haven't really followed its, its trajectory, but six years ago, it was um, an, online, uh, an online-only vintage-inspired women's retailer. Um, and basically, I was uh, hired there to do video work, um, as well as some photography work. And prior to that, I worked for American Eagle Outfitters doing the same thing. Um, which is also based in Pittsburgh, so uh, pretty much everybody knows American Eagle. Um, but that was it. Yeah, my my background was in film. I went to film school. I never wanted to do the the L.A. New York um, Hollywood thing. Um, I just wanted to um, kind of work work in marketing and, and be a photographer. And kind of fell into worked for a marketing company that was doing work for American Eagle, and then they were building American Eagle was building out their own in house team of video uh, video stuff. So um, went there for a handful of years and then moved on up and over to Moncloth and then, uh, left to do this full time.
1: So how, um, what made you go from doing that to wanting to open a brewery?
0: (laughs) It is pretty different. Um, it's
1: it's not a direct path.
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely not. Um, no, I love beer. I mean, I think that for, for a very long time, um, I'm not that old, but, uh, I, I always ultimately wanted to do my own thing. Um, you know, I, I did enjoy, um, I enjoyed those jobs, but you're still, you're still in corporate America and you're still doing things that um, even though it's in, it's in creative, um, which is good. There's still a lot of, um, bureaucratic ship to get through and it's not always that fun dealing with boss after boss after boss and ultimately I, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss eventually it's just I didn't know what I wanted to do and I k- kicked around the idea of, of opening a photo studio and um, doing photography full-time on my own as as Andrew Witchy. but um, I was never that passionate about it I mean I was a decent photographer and I was good at it but I think I'd the corporate world and, and that kind of marketing grind of photo shoots and long days and, and stuff like that. And never really wanted to, to do that on my own. And then, um, love beer. It was kind of my alley beyond it. I traveled a ton, um, for work and, uh, in time off outside of shoots, I was hanging out at bars and or, uh, breweries specifically and meeting brewers and talking to them and, and brewery owners. And, um, so loved beer and kind of fell in love with the scene. Uh, and it really, personality-wise, I think fit. And I was getting along with these people really well. And and you know, beer was already so much a part of my life. Um, it was pretty much my only hobby <laughs> outside of work. Um, so um, yeah, I started kind of uh, homebrewing much more specifically um, to to be uh, to get into the industry. And then ended up going to the American Brewers Guild um, to get the Um, science and engineering degree in commercial brewing, Um, which initially I intended just to uh, kind of be a brewer somewhere. And uh, when I left, when I graduated, if you will, when I got the certificate from from American Brewers Guild, it was kind of like, what do I have to lose? You know, I'm young. I don't have a family. I have nothing else. I don't have to worry about anything. So I might as well start working on my own business plan now Um, and um, it was kind of a cushy corporate job. I mean, I, I was paid well, so it um, made sense to build it out while I still had that um, cushion and inconvenience of, of working the corporate world.
1: It, I think you definitely made the right choice considering, too, how um, difficult it is to make it as a professional photographer right now with the advent of easily accessible uh, equipment and uh, not having to maybe have quite as much skill to sell your uh, services
0: without a doubt and and weirdly it's it's not that much dissimilar to brewing i mean the the downside to to brewing is the capital is is very high um to do it at any kind of volume or or the way that um you know you should be doing it as a as a commercial brewer but um, But you're not wrong i mean it's it it, it definitely the the aspect of of digital photography and the um you know as technology kept rising and and good um good equipment became more affordable um it it was there was a lot less um it was a lot easier to get into it and and kind of be your own boss in that scenario but um and like anything else though it's very much a um it is very people oriented too which is not not that i have a problem with but you're here i get to go deal with a mash tun and some grain yeah other than the people that work for me i don't really have to deal with people
1: yeah you can (laughs) um, hide in the back if you want to
0: exactly your business is your clients when you're a photographer and my my business here though we rely on people to purchase the product my business is creating a product so um yeah i i I definitely agree. I'm much happier day to day doing this than I ever would have been if I had to go into a studio every day. But um, there's aspects of it that I certainly miss. And I still, I still take photos and still do um, some Instagram stuff. And I do still have a good video camera, um, but I just don't have the time to use it. And even my gear has been, actually all of my good gear uh, got stolen right before we opened the brewery. Um, oh, And sucks. I just never, I, I had it all insured because it's like what I did for a living. So I took the insurance money and just put it right into the brewery. I never bought new gear so um i i just basically like my camera is like the is the least expensive setup i can get to still have interchangeable lenses and kind of do what i want to do but it's nothing nothing like i used to have
1: it's almost kind of like serendipitous then gave you an extra uh (laughs) infusion of capital for opening
0: (laughs) exactly it it really did And, and it strangely was very helpful it was it was uh it was sad but there was like a A feeling of uh man maybe it was good that i left it in the car that night
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh so how was the your first batch that you homebrewed was it good was it awful was
0: it was awful it was um it was just a kit it was like an amber ale kit from like northern brewer or something like that it was it was kind of um i i got in um I got into beer in college, um, which I guess is as early as you can get into beer. But I, I, didn't, I didn't drink at all until I was 22. So, like, my senior year of college, I basically jumped right into craft beer when I started drinking um, and really loved it. I always, I always like, loved the culinary aspects of flavor in general. So, like, prior to um, – and I still am into coffee, but not nearly as, as much as beer, but I was into coffee um so just kind of taking that from a from a flavor and aroma perspective um and and what that does to the senses um and emotions and kind of everything i just have sort of a fascination with that um so i i didn't have i had friends in college that homebrewed, and i had absolute zero interest in it um i i was like you know i'm i don't i don't know what i'm doing i don't really care it's, it takes eight hours to do this my saturdays are worth more than that i just okay. want just want to drink and try other people's beers. Um, and then, um, basically I got to the point where I had had everything that was distributed to Western Pennsylvania. I was driving to Ohio and West Virginia to try to get beers that I didn't have. I was, um, you know, trying to order what I could at the time. It was like nothing. we we're talking like 2010. Um, so doing my best to get my hands on beers, um, that were available. And then it kind of was like, well, I know all this, I'm starting to study and research and read about beer and, and, um, get into it. And it was like, it's just time. Like, I feel like if I want to get into this industry in any way, I need to know how this works from a science perspective. So, um, I just got a kit to be like, Oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. Um, and it was definitely the beginning of the end, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was terrible. I did that in, um, a Porter kit and then I immediately got all grain, um, system. And then I used that for like a couple months and then I bought, I think I used that for a season. So for a summer, and then I bought a pilot system that we have here.
1: It's fun. Um, homebrewing is really what pushed me towards drinking craft beer. Cause until then I hadn't really, actually I didn't drink at all for, uh, 10 or so years. Um, and then I started working someplace that, uh, my boss homebrewed a lot. And he took me once with all of his friends We're doing a meetup at a local homebrew place that does it kind of like huffs, um, yeah. where you can do the brew on premise um but they like i think at huffs you can only do their recipes or can you do your
0: yeah they had a handful i don't know what they i don't even think they do that yeah i think um, they
1: stopped but
0: I, I don't i think they had a handful that you could you could pick from and maybe i guess if you really knew what you were doing you could do your own but i don't i think it was like basically what they had
1: but yeah, so the oh anyone listening is not familiar with pittsburgh there's an awesome bar in is that greenfield Yep. in in greenfield rate right, which is right in the Pittsburgh area um, that used to have may still have but I don't I think you're right that they don't do it anymore a place where you go and brew there and they they did a, a lot of helping and it made it easy to homebrew um, but there's a place in Frederick where you basically just rent their equipment um and then you, you use your own recipes and everything so I went with him in a, a group of his friends. And that was the first time I home brewed. and then flying dog also moved to Frederick the same time I did. Um, yeah. but it was that eight hours uh, a day uh, spending eight hours in a day homebrewing that got me to just stop and let professionals like you do it and just enjoy <laughs> the fruits of your labor instead of <laughs> brewing myself at all.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I it is, it is very different um you know the general aspect of brewing is brewing so like if you're brewing a gallon it's the same general process as brewing 700 gallons but um there is something like easier about commercial brewing uh, I think mostly it's just like the setup and teardown like it stays here you just yeah that's it, what cleaning place is for you clean it in place yeah. um so there's, there's, I, I, and that was the other thing too, is like, I always I basically started homebrewing with the very purposeful intent of getting into the industry. So it was never, um, it was never like a weekend hobby for me. It was like doing it as a very particular stepping stone to get somewhere. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, we're going to take a real quick, uh, sponsor break and then we get back. Um, I think let's talk about your expansion next sure. whenever. Uh, so we will be right back. and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind to bring people from all walks of life together to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Right, so, I know, um, I don't know a whole lot of details about it, but I know you have an expansion that you're working on, but has kind of like the goal and what you're doing is kind of changed because of COVID. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just, yeah, sort of. Um, I think that, uh, so the the goal with it obviously is to make more beer, um, which is, is the original goal. And I think that, um, we have been working on it for a very long time and it's not, um, It's not huge it's not like we're going to be the size of like victory or anything like that but it is significantly larger than what we're doing here um and being the second place that we're building we made a strong effort to um i hate to say do things right because there's a million right ways to do anything but um you know we we wanted the floors that we wanted and we wanted the glycol piping that we wanted and um, we wanted to gain small efficiencies here and there by using better um materials, which we didn't have the luxury to do when we were here. Um, so the, it's been it's been a long time, and we actually broke ground on that um, last summer during COVID. Um, so that slowed down a lot of things because materials were really hard to get. I mean, we're still waiting on garage doors that were ordered in like August. Um, so they just don't have them. Um, so w- what COVID kind of did it was change the focus of what we were going to do. It was going to be built out all at once. Um, and then we kind of took a step back and we're like, well, let's not even worry about the tap room because who knows when we can open it again and let's just get the production rolling. So we focused, um, on the production side. So that's nearing completion now. Um, and then they're starting work on the tap room now. So it might even end up, <laughs> they, just at they, the same they, time, they get finished like pretty much at the same time anyways, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I think that um, – so it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff we want to do with it. It's um, having a bigger tap room for those that are here in Pittsburgh or visiting Pittsburgh. Um, you've been to the tap room before. It's um, not that enjoyable on a Saturday, to be honest. Um, it's, it's very packed uh, and, and really tight. And unless you're um, local and you know to come right at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday, um typically it's it's pretty busy and it's not not that big of a space. So um it, it was to to have much wider space, a much more um purposely, uh purposefully designed tap room that makes sense for the flow of of what we're doing, um, to be able to have um to-go sales and tap room sales and a nice bar experience all at once without interfering with each other. Um and, you know, nice open space, outdoor space. Um, so really just expanding on the experience that you get when you come to Dancing Gnome. Um, and the other aspect was, um, distribution was, um, we definitely want to be available to a a larger variety of, of folks and, um, you know, mostly focused still on Western Pennsylvania and Allegheny County specifically, but, um, you know, we, we want to be a true, a true Pittsburgh brand. And, and in doing that, um, we want to have beer that's available regularly um, at establishments that we think, um, you know, treat treat beer the way it's meant to be treated and um, care about us as much as we care about them. And, um, you know, ultimately that might lead into to larger state distribution. Um, but that's kind of the focus is to, to focus on Allegheny County and then Western PA and then Eastern PA. Um, and then with COVID, um, we eventually are going to do um, direct to consumer shipping, uh, as well. But that's, um, we're kind of taking that in baby steps just cause production wise, we don't, don't exactly have the volume to be able to open that up effectively right now.
1: Is that, um, a COVID only thing in Pennsylvania or was that a overarching law change? You
0: know, it was always allowed actually. Okay. We were always, we were always able to do it. The, um, I think the, the reason, um, that, that very few people did was multifaceted. One, it was production-based. I mean, PA has a lot of really small breweries. Uh, Western PA specifically um, has most of us are pretty small and, and we're tap room focused, so we're able to sell our capacity volume directly out of the tap room or with very limited distribution throughout the city. Um, and the other aspect, um, I think, for for you know, slightly larger places that are maybe doing, um, you know, five to 10,000 barrels a year um, was cost uh, because you had to use a third party courier. Um, so you couldn't get everywhere. Um, logistics were difficult. It was very expensive, um, you know, 30 bucks to ship. Um, so with COVID, what happened was FedEx and UPS got uh, licensed to be able to ship beer. Um, but as far as being a manufacturer in PA, we always had the licensing structure to be allowed to ship direct to consumer, provided that um, they're 21 plus and signed for it. Uh, but now you can just do it through FedEx and UPS, so rates are much more um, competitive.
1: That that change must be why they started cracking down on it in Maryland.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it is because it's I mean, not
1: even... it's not legal for out of state to be shipped into Maryland but uh Maryland breweries can ship to someone in Maryland. So I know I don't know all the details, but in the last few months UPS cracked down on out-of-state shipments of alcohol.
0: Yeah, I mean we we got we didn't get nabbed for anything cuz we didn't do it, but we we have two accounts because we have an alcohol account and you're only allowed to ship alcohol through that. And we were using it to ship merch as well. And okay. they were like, when you, what do you guys do it? Like, what are these shipments you're sending to all these places? And I was like, well, look at the weights. Like, it's clearly not beer. Yeah. We're talking a half. It's a half a pound in an envelope. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not beer. Yeah. Um, we're sending like, right, we'll four
1: ounces at a time in a yeah, Ziploc exactly. baggie. It's
0: <laughs> um, But they... Yeah. So they just said, like, hey, don't use this. Like, we are monitoring this account, so don't use it for anything other than actual alcohol shipments. So we have we have two two completely different.
1: That facts. I'm glad you told me that. Now that big I never looked into it, it was just something I was curious about. But that makes complete yeah. sense. That because they did something like fully legitimate, that they cracked down on any kind of skirting or loopholing that was done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know about outside producers. Like, as an inside producer, we were always allowed. But as an, I know that like, I don't know. Out of state can ship into Pennsylvania. Yeah. So Trillium started. The Veil does now. Other half does. um, Aslan does. uh, Equilibrium. So a lot of those guys that that are in demand. um, And I don't know if that was a, if it was one of those things where like COVID made them make the decision to do it because they had the excess product or if covid allowed them to do it from an actual state perspective i think there's really wonky rules around it though
1: i I think it's probably the first because even distribution wise on the shelves in maryland there are things that i mean although i mean aslin did a huge expansion right Gege, at yeah. the same time. So yeah. it's possible that they could have been on shelves and shipping.
0: So did, so did Equilibrium. I mean, their expansion was absolutely enormous.
1: Yeah. So those are those are two things that are readily available um, on shelves in Maryland now. Because uh, that's, that's something I'm going to be curious to see when breweries are able to operate more normally, how many things are going to go away from distribution and be sold in – Back in the tap room only. Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, I hope. I. I mean, part of me kind of hopes that's the case. Always, so because I don't mean people are back in the tap room. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we can all hang out and uh, have a good experience that we want to be giving people.
1: And that's um, you've been completely closed the whole time, right?
0: yeah we have a very small garden space that we opened up specifically okay. during covid um but we didn't even open that until september of this past year um and it's it's uh it's cool we just did a little bit of we had employee parking in a, in a lot in the back alley and uh we kind of pulled that parking since we had the the our the new expansion space is literally a block away so we just park over there and then um uh, walk over and use the kind of renovated the back to be a relatively comfortable garden space for pints but it it was again i mean because of covid we only ever had 30 people maximum back there at a time and uh it was weather dependent and uh you know with mpa you have to buy food to be served alcohol so um you know we had to make sure we had food trucks and that was, you know, not everybody wants to do that. So, yeah. um, but it was, it was good. It was, it was good to be able to give people a safe place to be and good for us mentally, just to be able to serve a pint again. But tap room wise now we're not, we're not open and with no plans to to open.
1: And I'm, I'm guessing that even though like you had mentioned earlier, like the focus of dancing gnome is the tap room, but there's, mm. there's so much of the culture of to go there that, that sure. was that an easy switch where it was just, you can everything instead of selling it as
0: yeah, it, it was super easy. I mean, about 75% of our product was in cans, anyways. Um, so all of our product was, but 75% of total. Um, so we just went to basically 100%. Right.
1: Um, you froze up there for we'll a little.
0: We'll do draft like on demand in the sense of like, am I back?
1: Yeah, you're back now. So I think what you were saying can is that it? you your volume okay, was seventy five percent canning and you just bumped that to hundred yep. percent.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean if a bar reaches out and is like, hey, we're back open, we want a keg, we'll fill you one on demand. But we don't like we we don't forecast anymore like we used to with brands where we'd be like, Hey, we're gonna need twelve half barrels of this and um you know, six six tools. Now it's just can it and if somebody asks for a keg, we'll fill it.
1: It's probably made the people who were standing in lines um, before then happy. <laughs> there's there's yeah, a little bit sure, more of the, sure. the cans available. Yeah,
0: I, I think I think um, across the board. I mean, we saw that definitely in the very beginning, where we actually um, we we were able to reach a lot more people who prior weren't they they wanted the product, but and I don't blame them. They weren't willing to come down and stand in line. And um, I certainly don't blame them. I wouldn't really do that either. But um, but now that they were able to, because they could order it and pick it up kind of at their convenience within a week. So um, yeah, it was it was good, um, and it's something that we're most likely not going to get rid of even when we reopen they will still do pre-orders and logistically when the taproom is open it's a little bit more difficult just from an inventory management perspective but we have things in place and, and are working on putting even better solutions in place to be able to manage that effectively so it's not a problem
1: doing the pre-orders makes it logistically harder
0: or, yeah i mean uh, just when we're open like okay. not so much now but like if we're open and people are buying um, four packs at the counter plus oh uh, because you gotta make more, sure it's isolated and yeah, yeah we have to make sure it's like out of inventory and nobody's grabbing it um,
1: i've I've heard that from Maryland breweries because we haven't I mean, we go in and out of strict restrictions um, but I don't think we've ever been quite as restricted as Pennsylvania has been um, yeah, but I've heard that from breweries that logistically when they have people coming in and just buying stuff and then trying to um, do online sales and stuff that it gets a little dicey.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think that the one thing that is not positive about it is like, um, a beer, a beer like black clouds or, um, any specialty releases that we do are difficult online because they just sell out so fast. I mean, seconds. So yeah. it's, 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 people get mad and upset and then they're like, well, you said 10 o'clock and I was on at ten oh two And I'm like, yeah, but you need to be on at like nine fifty eight.
1: Yeah. Right? You need to be sitting uh, there I mean, refreshing. And, and even
0: then, like, <laughs> even then, even then, like you might not, I mean, we did a, um, we did a barrel age black clouds back in the fall. And, uh, we had, it was the most of a, of a bottle of barrel age beer we had ever had. We had, uh, like 800 some bottles. And um, we kept a bunch. We kept like 100 of them for ourselves just to be able to like have down the road or like share with friends or share with other breweries or like take to fests or something. Um, So we kept like multiple, multiple cases of this because we were like, all right, well, this is plenty. We want to keep some for ourselves. The system, it sold out so fast that the inventory system couldn't keep up and oversold by 100 models. It oversold by 96 models. So so not only
1: are people mad that they didn't – get it they are mad because they thought they got it and then yeah
0: well no we just took our we just took our stock and oh had, okay so we allowed the sales but then we didn't end up with any which was fine like I'm, I'm glad that those those folks were able to get some yeah but i mean but that was instant i mean that was in a second yeah. so like if and you know we we just can't do anything about it and you um, put so minimums like too
1: i mean you put maximums too, yeah, yeah, don't you yeah. yeah so yeah
0: two two per person
1: yeah, and there's one. really nothing more you can do.
0: <laughs> no, no. And so it's like we – and it's not fun for us either for sure. So like beers like that we might not do online online sales for once things get back to normal. Like that one, unfortunately, you'll have to come stand in line for. But um, normal stuff, uh, pretty much every other beer we do that's not, um, you know, for a specific event or something, It'll, you're more than welcome to just order it online and pick up at your convenience.
1: Did you follow the um, Double Nugget – release at all
0: (laughs) i i saw some stuff about it but i i didn't see like what i didn't see what happened i i did read um response to it which i thought was like very well thought out and a a really good response um but i don't i didn't really know what happened
1: (laughs) so from what i gather they made their posting like saying when it would go on sale and it, it was wrong at first so they went in and edited it and originally it said it would go on sale Monday, but it was really going on sale on Sunday. So people were livid that, and it's sold and it's just like dark clouds, like it's sold out almost yeah. instantly. And then, so then they had like another 500 four packs available or something that they put up for sale Thursday and it sold out within a minute or something like this, yeah, like the same crazy. type of thing. And people were furious that they didn't get any.
0: Yeah. And I, I, you know, we're, we're kind of used to that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking such so much smaller volume. So it's like less people, I guess, are, are, are upset. But, um, well, that's, know, like that's getting... probably pretty new for them. And, and that, so I, that's I, what they for for sure.
1: that's what their reply said is like, this doesn't happen to us. We thought we would have it for a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um but they'll just have to brew a whole big batch of it next year. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean I would have liked to have some, but I forgot about when it was going on sale and I don't know, I didn't get upset because Nugget
0: how did they, how did they do it? You you had to pick it up though, right?
1: Um yeah, it, it was, was owned, all yeah, pre order yeah. and then pick up at the brewery. But Nugget Nectar, I think, is the first craft beer that I would say I truly loved. Like that was if someone asked me what my favorite beer was, it was Nugget Nectar. Um, yeah now i just
0: i mean that beer's awesome
1: now i just i don't i don't really have an answer like there's just it's there's too too many so (laughs)
0: yeah
1: um but so i I would like to try a double nugget but i'm not gonna get all pissed off because i wasn't able to get some it's like yeah for sure it's like so many beer drinkers at this time have this mentality like if they want it like they're entitled to be able to buy it like it's like yeah can only make so much.
0: <laughs> I, do, I wonder like I don't I don't follow many other industries but like does that happen in like the sneaker world like yes. when somebody releases like well, kids, like do people get real pissy?
1: I don't think they I'm not I'm definitely not in that world but I think it like that's just so expected like people don't get pissed off when they can't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz they know.
1: And it's such smaller but I, I I have a couple people who are definitely sneaker heads. I'm going to have to ask them that and they, like they're also super into beer. So they'll, they'll get the correlation I have to ask them if there's yeah. <laughs> any similar, but I like that, that's literally the only industry, other industry I could think of that would possibly be like that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Although apparently it happens with like YouTubers, like YouTubers will release special, um, merchandise, like a limited release of merchandise and yeah. their subscribers are clamoring for any like it.
0: I'm too old for that. I don't. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, the well, there's like there's. It's just. It's one of those things that fascinate me. Like the, yeah, all these sure. little like subcultures, and it's just. It's super interesting that there are people on YouTube that have tens of millions of fans, and most people have never heard of them, but yeah, they're no, like no. ridiculously popular. And then you just. I've never heard the name before, and I could. Say hi to them, and would have no idea that there are tens of millions of people that would be ecstatic yeah. <laughs> that they met
0: They're from. making a ton of money sitting they, in their rooms.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so it's it's one of those um, like cultural phenomenon things that uh, I'm sure. very interested in. All right, let's take um, one more quick sponsor break, and then. Actually, I have a couple real quick expansion questions, and then I want to talk about collaborations that you've done recently. Cool. So we'll be right back. There are many reasons why I've chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. The friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street, in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery, you can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware and accessories like koozies, coasters and keychains. Their high definition digital printing, organic ink and low fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. So is the, um, the new location going to be a second location, or are you moving into it?
0: Um, it's definitely a second location. Um, we're still working out what. I mean, they're literally a one block. So our address now is nine twenty five Main Street, and uh, the new address is ten twenty five Main Street. So that's uh, hilarious. It's one exact <laughs> block Away. Um, so that pre- present, pre- presents challenges for sure. Your um, first
1: beer you make there should just be called Plus
0: One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the um, you froze we have up there for a there, second. So keeping both systems. Some of the tanks we have here moving over there. Oh, am I back? Yeah, you're back. All right, cool. Um, we do have a new system over there. Some of the tanks we have here are moving over there, and then we're keeping the system in the small tanks here. Um, the The plan for production is going to be basically everything that we create now is moving over to the new space. And then this space is going to be um, yeast propagation um, and then my little personal playground for lagers and traditional beers. Um, so we'll get some some horizontal lager tanks in here. Um, get a cold liquor tank in here and um so we're never going to be like busting out logger production but um it's stuff that i'm really interested in and really love doing and want to be able to um kind of present uh to, to, to our fan base as well on a, on a limited but more um consistent basis you know right now we really only do three or four loggers a year because it takes up so much tank time so if we focus on it we should be able to do you know one or two a month um and in smaller batches so those will stay kind of in-house probably not get much uh they'll get no distribution but um they even trying to figure out like packaging and stuff with it um but uh and then taproom wise that was kind of the thought too was to um you know that's the main taproom you can get anything over there but um this taproom the current space that I'm sitting in right now would, um, kind of change and become, uh, more of a pub, like a lager house, uh, a mix between a German lager house and an English pub. Um, so that way that, that, um, you know, folks that, that really like that style and want to explore those styles of beer more, have a very dedicated place to come, um, enjoy themselves and kind of a different, a much different vibe than, um, you know, the the craft beer taproom, um, of the past few years. Um so that that's kind of the thought. We have a couple other options um that we're, you know, exploring now. Um, but we're definitely keeping both spots.
1: Yeah, I think I remember you saying that like no matter what, you always want to keep the original spot. Yeah. Like that. You know. Yeah, for
0: sure. And it, it um it means a lot for obvious reasons and it's cool and um even in even in like selling off or getting rid of the equipment, it just doesn't make sense. Like the, we can do more with it than we can without it yeah. um and and having a um like kind of the original spot just just makes sense
1: how um what size brew house is the at the new location
0: twenty barrel, so we're ten barrel here and okay. the new the new one's gonna be twenty so we have twenty and forty barrel tanks over there
1: right. so that's a nice big jump up in capacity,
0: yeah, it's about um like right off the bat, tank-wise, it's, like it's like a 60 sixty to 70% increase based on tanks we have over there now. And then um, over time, though, it's like five-fold. Like we can do upwards of like 8,500 barrels out of there without even breaking backs. So um, we definitely have plenty of room for – for expansion and, and more as, as you know, the distribution and as people get back to, um, being able to socialize and drink yeah. beers, um, yeah, but you, sure, we're going we're to let it be natural. I mean, we're not, we're not going to pump out 8,500 barrels right off the bat. It's yeah. just going to be, you know, as we, as we need to add tanks, we'll add them, but the space is there to do it.
1: Yeah. Cause where you your the original spots. Um, You were maxed out completely, right? You couldn't have fit any more.
0: Yeah, we're maxed out right now. Um, We could turn more beer. Like um, we did uh, 2,300 barrels this year and we would be able to do like if we turned every single tank in two weeks, we'd be able to get close to 3,000. But that would mean we can't do loggers. It would mean we can't do um, yeast propagation stuff that we currently use in one of the tanks. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't be able to do effectively the way we want to do them Um, but space wise yeah absolutely we're maxed out there's no way we can do anything else
1: so um, yeast propagation wise are you 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 have your own yeast strain that you've developed or just like propagate like Yeast that you you've... just
0: growing it. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We we use a lab strain. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a very normal English strain that I'm sure a lot of brewers use. um Yeah, I, I've um, I've been getting more and more in, into yeast and really kind of diving into the studying it, and the biology around it, and um it's definitely something that that really. I mean, obviously, there's only four or five ingredients in beer, yeah. so obviously it, it makes a huge difference. But um, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like hops in in the agricultural on the agricultural side, where like hops will grow anywhere. Like you literally can plant a hop and it's going to grow. But to get like a really great, vibrant, saturated, uh, oily hop that you're going to you want to use for brewing, you need a specific latitude. Um, and yeast is kind of the same way. Like you throw yeast in a beer, it's going to. But what it does and what it creates is like very specific, down to like so many different factors within that. And not that that's um, not that that's crazy, and not that brewers don't understand that. But um, uh, that, that's just been my focus for for the last handful of months is really, really, really dialing in the consistency of what we're doing with our yeast. So we we grow it up ourselves um, every sixth generation. Okay, um, and then moving forward, we'll do that. Kind of more often because we'll need more of it, but um, kind of always working to to have a better lab space here to to grow it up effectively.
1: Have you ever used Jasper? No. It's a um guy. Actually, it's two guys um uh, down in um Loudoun County, Northern Virginia area. You're probably familiar with Ocelot, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah for so sure.
1: they're they're right next to Ocelot, um, cool. And I got to interview those guys infinitely smarter than i am so i don't know half of what they said but uh they're pretty popular in this area and um yeah like they're it, supposedly it's wizards when it comes to yeast
0: gasper with a g like g-a-s-p-e-r
1: Jasper, but it's J A S P E R.
0: I oh, i think i think they stopped by not that long ago one of those guys stopped by um must might be even pre-COVID. That was a long time ago, but yeah, I definitely have I definitely have heard of them, or maybe it was even uh, the Osslot boys telling telling us about it. Yeah, it's but, possible because uh, I think yeah, that they
1: yeast. they probably use yeah. only their yeast because there's right a whole there. like like you literally just walk through an open area between the two places that are right next to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeast is it's 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 crazy, and I'll never even come close to knowing as much as those like biologists do or like yeast actual yeast places do it's uh it's it's a world that's just absolutely fascinating
1: what i've had um i think a couple brewers at this point now say to me that they feel like going forward that's going to be one of the bigger differentiators even more than hop usage is going to be yeast
0: yeah i mean i think um for sure like strain wise and like what what yeah
1: like the the flavors you can get and
0: yeah and then even even down to that is like how much you're willing to care about i mean it is, it is truly crazy how like the factors like if you've ever homebrewed like obviously you know the ph matters obviously you know the temperature matters obviously you know that like um you know oxygen content matters but like to what degree do you care about it mattering and like yeah. when you're talking about like parts per billion and like getting down to like what what does this half a degree temperature shift mean at this period of time for this pH? Like you start to lose your, your, your brain, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, but for sure I do, I do agree that I think that there's so much that can happen as far as like uh, a, with the consistency is one thing is just absolutely huge. Um, so being able to produce a a beer consistently time over time, which is far more important when you, when you're talking distribution, Uh, it's always important, but you know what I mean? Um, and, um, yeah just just quality of product of like even saying like hey this is a really good beer and you might not know why it's really good beer but that's an aspect as to why
1: so earlier you had said that um you wanted to be a true pittsburgh brand Um, how did your collaboration for Robinhood come about
0: (laughs) Uh, that was fun um that because, I mean,
1: they're definitely a true – like, Iron City is a true Pittsburgh – or Pittsburgh yeah. Brewing Company is <laughs> yeah. a true was, Pittsburgh um, brand.
0: <laughs> that was actually a really kind of strange, serendipitous thing, too. Um, me uh, me and uh, operations manager here, Mike, were always kind of talking about how cool it would be to brew a beer like we have a lot of respect for those brands um as i think a lot of like professional brewers do at this day and age like um it's tough to brew beers that consistently it's you know big brands nostalgia x y and z um and it, i think it was off color that did a collaboration with miller high life um was that it was? was it Off Color?
1: i don't know i don't think i don't think i saw um, that one
0: it was it was a basically it was like a, a barrel aged um it was like they brewed Miller high life and then they mixed cultured it in barrels.
1: That's crazy. And,
0: um, yeah, it was really cool. We're like, Oh, with, with Iron City. Um, and then, uh, one thing that we always talked about doing was, you know, we knew Iron City had a ton of old or Pittsburgh Brewing Company is the parent company of Iron City. And, uh, we knew that they had a ton of old brands that used to brew and it was like, Oh man, it'd be cool to resurrect a brand and have it like even though dancing on would brew it it would be its own brand um and we knew the guys that run um the marketing um the marketing team for pittsburgh brewing company um there's beer guys and they come in they're actually getting ready to open their own breweries uh, here in pittsburgh as well but um and they were like hey would you ever like have an inch like we were talking round table and like we we're thinking about maybe trying to do a collab with another local brewery. Would you ever be interested? And we were like, actually, yeah, like we've talked about that before. <laughs> um, so we sat down with this big mahogany desk in this big office. And, <laughs> um, and we kind of pitched that idea of, of bringing back an old brand and they were into it and they actually had, they were like, we should bring back Robin Hood. Like right off the bat, they were like, we should do Robin Hood. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds good to me. <laughs> and, um, so we kind of went back and forth and then I worked with their, um, Brewmaster, I met with him and kind of gave him what I was thinking recipe wise, and um, we didn't really worry about the the original recipe because it was more for like mass production. There was like a lot of corn syrup and stuff in okay. it, um, so we we did it much more craft based. But um, but yeah, that's how it that came about. It was cool. It was, it was fun.
1: Okay, I like lo- I um I like that better then because I thought it was like a re- resurrection of, and I had never heard of Robin Hood. I didn't even. No, that was a beer that they made was that is that from a really long time ago or is it was it... like
0: it was like 1971 to
1: 1974 okay so i and definitely was. was not around let alone <laughs> of drinking yeah, it, age. Was a,
0: it was a long time ago we definitely had people that like will have never bought a dancing gnome beer and will never buy one again but came <laughs> out for Robinson, just because they remembered it
1: did they did they say it tasted at all like what it used to taste like or are they...
0: <laughs> I, I doubt it i hope yeah. they enjoyed it though. i mean it really was just a, it was just a nice nice easy summer cream ale so it was just a beer but um but yeah it was fun to do and the, the labels were cool we kind of like updated but resurrected the original label and um people would bring by like the old steel can um <laughs> and uh yeah it was cool
1: old steel like peel top
0: oh yeah yeah like you could like throw it at someone and just knock them (laughs) unconscious like so
1: heavy i have i have a couple of the um iron city like pittsburgh sports team cans that my my sister-in-law gave me for christmas one year and yeah they they weigh almost as much as a full aluminum can
0: Uh, you (laughs) you, like can't crush them it's unbelievable (laughs) they'll live forever
1: I never looked it up. How close was the label design to the original? Because it was a fairly, I mean, it it did not look like a Dancing Gnome label. It was a fairly, like, um, old school classic. Okay.
0: Dang, for the longest time, I had one sitting on the desk. Somebody must have moved it. Uh, I was just going to show it to you, but um, pretty similar. I mean, we it was um, basically Robin Hood in in um, doing something in the woods, and it had some copy on it. And then uh, we just the marketing team that uh, you know asked if we had any interest in it was the ones that designed it, and they just kind of modernized it a little bit, but still kept it kept it old school. Changed the framing, changed some of the, the aspects of it, but um, definitely kept the heart intact.
1: Yeah, when I first saw you post about that, I was like, "Wow, those are two brands that do not uh, go together."
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, definitely. There's a there's definitely a, a, a lot of folks that feel that way. But I've always, like I said, like I I, I love beer in kind of every aspect, and I, I think that there's something to be said for the, the historical nature of it, and I think that. Um, oh, I think it's you know, cool.
1: I just I as much as like i have an affinity towards pittsburgh iron city and icy light <laughs> don't fit into that uh that category
0: yeah yeah they are working on um bringing back brewing into pittsburgh though specifically so it'll be interesting to see if they if they do that and how they succeed with it but right now they're out in the trail
1: yeah cuz that was um that was actually the like when i was in college that was the fancy beer that we drank was rolling rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that that, i was gonna say i i I didn't know if they were still brewing out in latrobe or if they had because they there was like some drama involved with them leaving pittsburgh wasn't there
0: i i don't recall it but it it was was a while
1: ago wasn't it
0: it? yeah they, they left um completely different different ownership at this point okay um they left. Basically, took all their brands. I, I, they they actively have people on the grounds in the Trobe. Like, they their team brews in the Trobe, but I don't think they own that brewery. Like, I think that they like basically lease space or contract brew out okay. of that facility, which which like you said used to be a Rolling Rock facility. Um, um, but they're they're brewing a lot. They still brew a lot of brands, um, and uh, they do something like two million cans a month or something like That's that. That's insane. It's, it's a lot. Um, and people so, love
1: Iron City. Oh
0: yeah, and like yeah, it's like it <laughs> has gotten better. I mean Pittsburgh Dad, <laughs> Pittsburgh Dad drinks Iron yeah, City. Get that iron. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So they they the building that they used to brew it. Uh, in Lawrenceville, um, they they rebought when somebody bought Pittsburgh okay. Brewing Company. Um, he bought back the original brewery and um, is working on making it a brewery again.
1: How um how long ago did the ownership change? Was that that was semi recently? Right, maybe like in the last three uh, three four years.
0: I'd say yeah, fiveish maybe. Okay, um, definitely like definitely relatively recently within our time period of brewing and stuff yeah
1: one of my friends came down to visit and they brought some icy light mango and left it in my refrigerator (laughs) that stuff was awful
0: oh man did you have the i forget what it was called like um it was the double mango version it was the 90 percent mango oh dude it was undrinkable It (laughs) it was so bad even like sitting at that table like i made some comment about it at this at this meeting we had with the iron city executives <laughs> and they know they who they like, are oh. yeah, yeah they were like that was the worst thing we've ever done <laughs> um but i think that mango one at least in the summer that mango one sells like wild
1: i know i, I know people Double who live mango. back up there that love it i just yeah. don't
0: <laughs> <Not into it. laughs> yeah and there's
1: there's like well there's a there's a lot of in frederick there were a lot of pittsburgh transplants um, so iron city is surprisingly popular in this area too. Yeah. So maybe you can ride on those coattails and bring,
0: <laughs> come on right down. Yeah.
1: So uh, you, you brewed that, um, at dancing gnome, right? Or was that, brewed? yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, we, we brewed it at our spot. Uh,
1: is there any plans to do that again? Or was that a one time one off well, thing?
0: I, I we've talked about doing it just like once a year, like making it kind of a once a year summer, um, seasonal thing for us. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, we can talk about COVID forever. I'm just, I'm still, I'm always gonna be bummed about COVID. Like, I just feel like that's, that's like a gathering beer, you know yeah. It's like, it's like a beer that you want to drink a four pack of yourself with your friends. So, um, you know it's it's bummer that we can't do that stuff but um yeah i i, I wouldn't i I would love to brew it again but it's also i would never do it without discussing it with those guys
1: yeah um it's kind of crazy the resurgence of popularity in cream ales they are get...
0: definitely yeah i mean i, I don't people i mean <laughs> places are doing like pastry cream ales <laughs> doing, doing some weird stuff with cream ales but um yeah, it's a, I mean it's basically just it's basically just an American it's basically a lager when people didn't have lager yeast and didn't want to take 3 months to create a beer. Um, so it's just a, it's just easy to drink. It's a it's a beer that tastes like beer.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not like a, a style though if anyone asked me a few years ago like what's going what's something that's not popular now that people are going to you're going to see more and more brewery. And maybe it's not happening in Pittsburgh, but Like in Maryland, there are more and more breweries coming out with cream ales.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, we've, we've in our arsenal of beers, we've probably done five different cream ales. And so it's a style that we like for sure. But I I don't think that there's very many other places coming out with them. Um, I know like, um, I hate like family oriented seems weird but like restaurant spots like uh spoonwood and uh Uh, and do that kind of style a little bit more really as far as like um us and brew and hitch and grist house like i think we're, we're pretty much the only ones that have ever ever cracked into that but i'm sure that it'll be it'll be coming
1: yeah it's the it's the it's gonna be the new hazy (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah Hey, i hope they're way easier
1: <laughs> <laughs> went probably a lot cheaper too
0: yeah went like uh, insanely no, it's, it's like uncomparable
1: profit margin goes through the roof in 2021 yeah, and
0: you can sell them for less people can buy more it's, it's great across the board
1: so you and you you did a few other collaborations over the past year too or maybe they were for all pre-covid
0: we we've done a couple in covid um like some virtual ones. And, yeah. um, we did one with uh, Good Word and um, Birds by South from Georgia and South Carolina, respectively. Um, that was what we, we brewed that one here. Um, New Trail just came out with Expedition Pack that we were a part of. We did a double IPA with them um, for that 12-pack thing that they did, which is pretty cool. Um, and then... I'm sure that there was other ones, but I'm I can't for the life of me remember right
1: now. There was the one from the Fresh Fest Digipack. I don't remember who that oh, was. Oh yeah, with. that was
0: that was um called Wise Words. Um and then uh that was in July. We did that one here. And then um we also did uh we did that uh mass mass landing permanent hangover collab. Um, okay. There was a, I don't know if you saw that, it was just a Pillsner, but it was like based on KFC. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic permanent hangover. <laughs> it was cool though.
1: You need to come down here and do one with a Maryland brewery. We've got yeah, all kinds of great places. I'm
0: down. We did uh Burley Oaks, Maryland, right? Yeah. We did one with them last year.
1: Oh, I did see that. I never, I never got any of that i'm yeah i'm very
0: Actually, we, did two. we did two with them last year yeah.
1: i'm very averse to standing in line for beer um yeah, yeah, and that and, and that's more or less the only way well i think it's a little easier to get Burley oak beer now but
0: yeah
1: i'm uh i'm not gonna drive three hours and stand in line and then <laughs> so I'll do that. I, for I missed sure. i missed out on that one but so um do it with a Maryland brewery. That's easier to acquire the beer. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, I'm in. All right. I, I wait, you just solidified it. So I'll find you a brewery to do it with that is on par with dancing gnome and that you can do a collab with. Cool. Um, so you also actually, it's not super recently, but you also, you, was it maybe just during COVID you started your own podcast, the, can't yeah, the... we had
0: plans. We actually, uh, we started that in January. So we okay. had plans to do it pre COVID and then, um, COVID just hit early on. It's surprising that we made it uh, a year with that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's not, it's not nearly as in uh, as professional as yours. Uh, I mean, at this point, heck, we're just recording on a phone because we're not even getting together for it, but um, it actually, well,
1: it's, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Cause it actually, it sounds pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, yeah. He did. Jaren has some some recording stuff that he's hooking up to and, and doing stuff with, but um, yeah, it's cool. We kind of just do it just to get together and shoot the shit and drink some beers, and um, yeah, it's fun to have have some other people on. I mean, you get it, you do it. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I've it's, listened.
1: Cool. I listened to a couple of the episodes you've done with um, the Pittsburgh breweries. I didn't know anything about. Uh, like yeah. Four Points is one of the most recent ones I listened to. Yep is that my um my wife's family lives in manessen oh, and cool. it's like i'm i think it's maybe literally two miles from four point so I, yeah. i'll stop over there whenever we go up to visit
0: yeah it's it's a really cool spot man and it is definitely like as far as pittsburgh is concerned it's out there like it feels, oh it is
1: definitely it out there far.
0: <laughs> like, it is is a struggle to like find a time where you're like yeah of course i want to drive an hour plus and drink a couple beers yeah. um like honestly i think it's further away from me than north country is in slippery rock um, which it seems crazy is. i think i think it's further further away and slippery rock feels like an eternity away um but uh super good barbecue spot um super solid beers they're actually opening a tap room on the north side though so okay um, next time you, you come out this way, uh, it'll at least be easier to, to grab some of their beers.
1: Yeah. We, um, we either always stay with my sister-in-law or my mother-in-law, uh, mother-in-law it's four points and, um, my sister-in-law lives in Greenfield. So my brother-in-law and I usually, while the sisters are hanging out, we take a jaunt to the three places we always end up hitting up are dancing gnome, uh, grist house and hitchhiker.
0: Yeah, nice. That's a nice little close trifecta yeah. right here on the other side of the city from Greenfield, but still not that far.
1: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's 20 minutes. every yeah, yeah. and Because any time I would ever ask my brother-in-law how long it takes us somewhere, he's like, dude, it's just 20 minutes. Everywhere in yeah. Pittsburgh is 20 minutes away.
0: <laughs> That's super accurate, especially <laughs> from that area. I live in Greenfield for years and years, and it's, it's very true.
1: Yeah, so we take a John out, pick up some four-packs, and then head back and Enjoy the rest of the night. Nice, man. Or a couple times well, hopefully... we drove down over the hill and went to voodoo. But usually it's oh, yeah. that trifecta. I think, yeah. I think, um, yeah, that covers everything I had. Um, I guess there's probably not a whole lot coming up <laughs> that people have to look forward to <laughs> yeah, guess, just
0: our general releases yeah. which you can always kind of find online when i get get around to updating it um now i think as soon as as soon as we're able and things settle down we're gonna we're gonna open back up and i'm i'm really looking forward to it i mean i think that um you know depending on on when that is it might get to a point where people in your we don't have any plans to distribute to maryland specifically but you know further further out more regularly into pennsylvania so if you if you are close to the border or live live anywhere you might be able to find a ball shop across the border that might carry our stuff
1: yeah chambersburg definitely i mean it's not close but it's definitely not far from frederick in a decent area it's kind of like one of those juncture places where
0: yeah yeah i think it's is it close to hagerstown yes yeah, Not
1: super close, okay. but it that would be the closest
0: Closer, big, yeah.
1: big Maryland city that it's by.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And those, those two spots are called the one, one is in Chambersburg. I can't remember what the other city is, but one's called the beer shed and one's called the beer corner. Okay. Um, but they pick up like they're picking up on Friday. Actually, they pick up maybe like once a month. That's
1: cool. I'll have to start following them to keep track of, um, when they have your stuff. Yeah. What um? Well, I guess it doesn't really matter when you plan on opening up the expansion because <laughs> yeah, it, it really I mean, won't affect people. Other than there will be more beer available, I guess. The... Yeah,
0: t- taproom wise, it's it's tough to say. I mean, we 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 really pride ourselves on a, on an experience here and um, having good service, and and part of that is being able to operate with without restriction. Um, and I don't, I don't much have a desire to operate with yeah. restriction. Um, so it, it kind of depends. I mean, if we get the Tapper to a good place and, um, we kind of have a phase three of, of construction, which is building out, um, a really, really cool outdoor space. Um, but we just, uh, aren't focusing on it right now. Uh, if, if everything gets done and we jump into it early, maybe that would be something that we open up in the fall, but I I don't, I mean the backspace here will be opened up, um, kind of as soon as weather permits, but outside of that, it's just kind of focusing on, on cans to go.
1: Um, what's the best way for people to keep track of, uh, releases and new beers? Is it Instagram or?
0: Yeah, I would say Instagram. I mean, on our website, we do have a, a can, can release schedule that you can check out. Um, it's relatively accurate. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes it gets down to like being the day of the release and it's the last beer on the schedule. And then I, uh, I update it the next week. But, <laughs> um, for the most part that at least has a, a general idea of what's coming down the pike. Um, Instagram is always a good place to, to check out and see, see what's coming out. I post a handful of times a week, so nothing crazy, but enough to give you the information.
1: Do you have anything, any new beers coming out that you're super excited about?
0: Um, we just released Pilsner this week, um, which is obviously a Pilsner, um, a German style Pilsner. We just didn't give it a name; it was just too very traditional and going to be like kind of our main one as we as we grow and um, into that category of of beer. So I'm excited about that, but I'm excited about this style. So I know that yeah. most people that follow are this, you know, aren't, aren't very excited about that. Um, we do. Um, Uh, a series beer every year um which so like i think in 2017 it was flowers 2008 no 2017 must we might we must not have done one so 18 18 was flowers 19 was birds 20 was trees uh and then 21 is western pennsylvania watersheds um and like the biodiversity surrounding the watershed so um that first one we did once a month 12 beers um there's always a 13th one every year that's a triple ipa but um so yeah that'll come out uh, the the tree 13th tree beer which is called urban forest will be out in february um which is a triple ipa uh but the first of the watershed series just called watershed um will be out at the end of this week um uh, we do also have a barrel aged barley wine That's coming out um, at some point soon here. No release date, no anything, but we're getting prepped to to bottle, condition, and bottle that up um, for release sometime soon. So that's That's a beer style
1: I wish I liked because I,
0: I kind of feel that way too. Like I like it, but I don't like. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, ai am kind of a volume drinker. Like yeah, uh, I, I, I want to drink like a 4% beer over and over and over again. I don't want to drink like one 11%. Yeah. Beer. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: like breweries do such cool things with barley wines, but I don't like them. So I, I always like, Oh, I want to get that. It's so cool. And they're like, but Chris, you're not going to drink it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it was a co- nice little collector's bottle you
1: know what's well, a grat i had loved gratitude like the yeah. well the concept of east end's sure. gratitude in the yeah. when he sold the whole like um vertical of i can't remember how many years it was and i almost sure. bought one and i was like it literally would be just to look at the bottles because i don't want to drink it <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a sip of some um, yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, it's good, and I enjoy it, and I think people are going to enjoy it. But it's definitely not a style that I gravitate towards. Although, I will say, I had a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot this year. And uh, there's something about it. That Bigfoot's an outlier. Have, but, <laughs> yeah, there's something about it that's just like, dang, I don't even know how they brew this beer. It's, like, so good.
1: I had – uh, I want to say it was – like a 15 year old bottle of Bigfoot. It was absolutely phenomenal. It they was so,
0: eight, they used to, they used to, put yeah, it, in it was in a little bottles. time. It was a 1996.
1: Yeah. So I was trying to do yeah, the math yeah. of like when I had it to went from 1996. Yeah. But it was, it was so, that was probably the only barley wine I ever truly, truly enjoyed, but it did not taste like a barley wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> had, a, had a nice little bit of oxidation on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, But it was funny as where you were just talking about being excited about a Pilsner. I made um, a hoppy lager with a brewery recently that comes out next month. And that's probably the most excited I've I've been about a beer that I collaborated on a brewery with in a while. Cause like I just, I've, I finally fallen in line with uh, people in the industry and kind of just want (laughs) to drink Pilsners or just a a crispy boy
0: yeah for sure man There's a. I don't know if it's just she just like blast your palate into oblivion so then like you start to get all the nuances yeah. and such like a, a a beer like that but um, it definitely is true I mean I, just, I, I definitely get the most excited about that stuff both from, from a brewing and a drinking perspective
1: well Andrew thank you so much for your time today um, yeah thanks for having me on man I, I look it. forward to the day I can come and enjoy a beer in the actual tap room again instead of just to okay. go stuff I'll be enjoying uh whenever I feel it's safe to drink um my last better one or two, which is my nice. f- favorite and I, actually it's probably kind of old at this point, because it's been a little while since you really came out with that again, didn't you? Oh, uh,
0: we do Maybe that about month. Like every every six weeks. We'll okay, yeah, so it's not so. that
1: old. Um, but I think that's one of my favorite beer names of all time. And I, no, I don't no, know I why it. it's like, I've been wearing glasses since, although I just had LASIK done. So it means a little bit less to me now than it used to
0: yeah. <laughs> a nice, <a> nice <laughs> past, Remember? Yeah.
1: But I, I think I wore glasses from second grade on until six months ago or no, three months ago. So like better one or two is just one of those infuriating questions. Cause it always looked exactly the same to me.
0: Yeah. You
1: never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I love that beer name. <laughs> And the story behind it that your dad was a optometrist or optometrist. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll enjoy one of those later on this week. Um, So thank you for coming on again. Uh, It's always a pleasure. And uh, Thank thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.
0: Oh my God, that's good.